Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to those tuning in to the show right now. Whatever time you're listening to this, thank you all for tuning in to the show, Last Word Productions again. And you all know I am your host, Tavares Wilson. Hey, y'all know, I get the last word. <laughs> now, let's get right into it, man. So, first things first, guys, I wanted to get into the NBA news since we got the NBA action starting to crank up a little bit more of late. So, let's jump right into that. And some things I want to get out of the way, first and foremost, if you all are not following me on my other platforms on social media, please be sure to do so. I'm Lazarus Productions on multiple platforms, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, whether it's Spotify for the podcast, Google Podcasts, whether it's TikTok, Instagram. Trust me, I'm there. But with all that being said, I want to speak in regards to this LeBron James situation that he has spoke about Jerry Jones and why exactly he wasn't asked about the situation in the pitch in regards to Jerry Jones. Now, if you all do not know, there was an old picture that surfaced of Jerry Jones from about, I believe it was 1957. Yes, 1957, it was in Little Rock. And, excuse me, I'm reading the story so I can give you all the most accurate information. So the, the, the tweet is from a man named Joshua Clark Davis. He says, so Cowboys owner Jerry Jones is one of the bullies trying to stop his black classmates from desegregating Central High in Little Rock in 1957. So with all that being said, it's not a good look for Jerry Jones. It's not. Now let's, let's be real. It's not a good look. A lot of people have taken a stance and, um, against Jerry Jones and saying that he's... This is his nature, and this is something that, you know, essentially shows his true colors. But also, it makes you question whether or not he still believes or thinks in this kind of manner that basically belittles the minority and people of color. Now, with all that being said, I don't know Jerry Jones. I don't know Jerry Jones personally. I can't tell another grown man what he has been or what his mind, state of mind is and what exactly he holds fruition and value to. I can't tell him that. At the end of the day, he's a grown man. He decides that himself. But I will say this. For me personally, I don't care if it's Stephen A. Smith. I don't care if it's Charles Barkley. I don't care who it is. If you're a person of color and you're trying to find any kind of way to reconcile and justify this picture of Jerry Jones during this event, then simply put, you have no room at all anymore to speak about segregation or racism in the community. Because simply put, you don't genuinely care. And it's not because you can't feel sad or bad for anyone, but if you can sit here and say, this was so many years ago, Jerry Jones, could, we don't know who Jerry Jones is. This, this man is being, you know, basically, he's basically being suspected of something he didn't even conduct in the picture. We don't know what he was doing. That could just be coincidence. Whatever the case may be, if you feel that way, I no longer want to hear you complain about blacks in our day and age being mistreated, misjudged, stereotyped, whatever the case may be, because simply put, you're a part of the problem. And here's why I say that. You cannot 
have an issue with something that is still very much so alive in the world today and then simply just rub it off or, you know, wave it off as, you know, it is what it is or this is the past, let the past be the past and expect today that people take you seriously. It just doesn't make sense. It's almost as if, it's almost as if a month or two ago, I was calling people, asking them for money, and they gave me the money, and two, three years later down the line, I never paid it back. Does that mean I no longer owe them money? No, I still owe them the money. They still gave me that, and I'm still in debt to them. Just like how Jerry Jones is still in this picture, and he still has an involvement in this catastrophic event, regardless of however old it is, and regardless of what he truly was doing there, what he intended to do there. The fact that Jerry Jones is in this picture, being shown to be a part of a crowd that is literally opposing his, the black classmates, says all I need to know. I don't, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out what Jerry Jones is doing there. This is a protest. It was a counter-protest to another one. What is the, so why else would he be in this photo? It just doesn't make sense to even question whether or not why he's there. We know why he's there. It's whether or not you believe he's changed as a person or a man. And at this point, that could be up in the air. Who knows? Only Jerry Jones know. Only the people close to him know. We don't know. But what I do know is this. I'm not going to rub this off and just shake it off as this is the past and the past be the past. No. For what? This is the issue. You don't want to address history. This is why history repeats itself. So long story short, LeBron basically get back to LeBron guys. He basically said some things, and I'm gonna quote him directly. So I quote, "I was wondering why I haven't got a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo." He said, "But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys are quick to ask those questions. I don't even want you guys to say nothing." And then he later on went on about it and said, "When I watch Kyrie talk, and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when." We're talking about my people and the things that we have been through. He said, I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, we, when we do something wrong or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's asked about every single day. But it seems to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago, we all made mistakes, I get it. But it seemed like it's been very under like, oh, it happened. Okay, we just move on. And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. So basically, long story short, LeBron is basically saying, keep the same energy. If you're going to hold Kyrie accountable for the documentary he posted, which we all know at this point was viewed as anti-Semitic, if, regardless of how you feel about the documentary, Kyrie posted it. He served the suspension. They said he did all his requirements to meet the standards to play again. So he, he paid his debt. It, it is what it is. Move on. He made a mistake. He's owned up to that. He's apologized for it multiple times. It happened. It's time, it's time to let it go. And with all that being said, with all that being said, LeBron is saying that you gave this dude such 
high standards in such a hard time because he is a black athlete who's a damn good one at that. But the owner of the Cowboys, the most, the biggest team in the NFL from a financial standpoint and profitable standpoint, it's not a whiff about it in regards to it, to him. And just to make the matters worse, he's starting to see the hypocrisy in what the media, what the people want to get out there and what they want people to actually truly be intrigued with. So it, it is, to me, in my personal opinion, it's a bit hypocritical. Now, you could argue two different sports, two different businesses, two different leagues. Those questions don't concern the NBA coverages, coverages, I should say, excuse me, and it doesn't concern those reporters or even if it doesn't concern LeBron. But if you're going to argue that, you can also argue that the Kyrie Irving situation didn't concern LeBron as well because at the end of the day, it's not his situation and it was outside of basketball, which both situations have in common. But they both took place in the sports world as someone who is a very well-known figure in their, in their own league. So with that being said, I can see why LeBron said this and I see why he says the things he said about this news. And I just got a news breakout. This isn't basketball related, but this is actually football related. Vaughn Miller will be placed on IR. He will miss at least eight weeks with a knee injury. That's that's a tough blow for the Bills, man. They Their defense is already struggling in the back end. So to lose their best pass rusher, that's a tough blow for them. But let's continue on in the basketball news before I head off into the NFL world. So I just want to speak real quick in regards to NBA player, who's been looking great, who's been looking good. And I got to say this, man. The level that Jason Tatum, Luka, the level that these dudes are playing at right now is absolutely otherworldly. Devin, I think Devin Booker, I believe it was last night, dropped 51, and they absolutely dismantled the Bulls. And they beat them by, I think, 19. And Devin Booker had himself a night, guys. He had 51 points at the end of the third quarter. This dude could have went for a lot more. He got pulled from the game early. Because, simply put, you know, the game was a blowout. And, I mean, look at, just look at the numbers, guys. He, was, he went 20 for 25, 6 for 7 from shooting from 3. I mean, the, the, the man was shooting literally 83, 80% from the floor. He shot 85, um, literally 86% from 3. Like, it's, he just was in the zone shooting, man. It's, it's nothing you can do about that some nights, man. Some nights, the dude just got it going, and he had it going. Zion had a good game. I would say this, man. Y'all watch out for this Pelicans team, man. They they got a good young core talent over there, especially with a healthy Zion. They and CJ McCollum didn't even play. I wonder why he didn't play. Oh, he was, he was just resting. Okay. Brandon Ingram was hurt, so you had Zion starting. He dropped thirty three with ten rebounds. Jonas Valanciunas gave you a double-double as well, 16-13. Trey Murphy had a good game as well. Trey Murphy is one of those guys who I felt as if just needed a more he, – he needs more opportunities to score the ball. I think this is a dude that can really, really, really play. I think he's a, a good 3-and-D guy. They need more of those guys on their team. I mean, he's not the 
greatest 3D guy, but I think he's better than what they've had in the past. I think that's important for them. I think they have a pretty solid foundation on their bench with the likes of Larry Nance, Devontae Graham. I think they have some good pieces there. And I like Dyson Daniels as well, the rookie they got. So it's this this is a team that's young and talented, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see the direction they go in the next couple of years because this, this is a team that got talent. Now, with all that being said, I want to get off into what I was speaking about in regards to the MVP race. I think the MVP race right now, I think it's a five-man race. I think any five of these guys can win it. You can make a legit argument for it. I think Luka leads it right now. I think Steph Curry is in that race as well. I think Jason Tatum is in that race as well. I think Giannis will always be in that race. And one more guy I want to add that's big. I, I love seeing the fact that this guy has gotten back to a point where I can feel really good about his game because it came to a point where I thought he was starting to decline because of health reasons. And that's Anthony Davis. And I want to throw AD in the MVP conversations. And here's why. When LeBron James went down, AD and Westbrook helped the Lakers go on, the, a, I believe it was a three, four game win stretch. AD right now, guys, leads the league in rebounds at almost 13 a game. He's third in the league in blocks. He's giving you 26 a game. I, I believe that's top 10 in the league. If not, it's just outside of it. This dude is balling. He's, he's playing up to the talent now that we thought he always was and we always knew he could play at. The issue was he simply could not stay healthy. And in this league, I'm sorry, that's the number one thing you have to be able to do. You have to be able to stay healthy. It's, it just won't click and it won't happen for you if you can't. Like, if you, if you can't stay on the court, regardless of what you do on the court when you are there, if you're not on the court at all, it, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So I love the fact that he's gotten back into this groove. Luka Doncic has literally just been Superman this year for the Mavs, guys. I mean, this dude last game posted a 41-12-12 game. This, he's, he has, I believe, I see the stat that said he has three, it was either three or four 40 points triple-double games this season. No one else in the league has one. This dude is playing otherworldly right now. It's, it's just that simple. And Jason Tatum is playing amazing. He, the other night, he gave the Heat 49 He's playing lights out. Steph Curry is getting the Royals back on track. Giannis and the Bucks, like, they may very well be the best team in the league. I mean, this is going to be a close neck-and-neck neck MVP race this year, guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if any of you five of those guys I just named wins it because, honestly, they, they're looking damn good, if we're, if we're being honest. They're looking really damn good. Now, with all that being said, I want to get off into the NFL news. I, again, it's still early in the NBA season. I'm not going to really make any real judgments on teams until all-star break or a little bit after because that's when, in the NBA season, to me personally, that's when it really starts. So, before then, I'm going to hold off my judgment on what I think of teams overall right now. But let's get off into some NBA, NFL news. Excuse me. So some NFL news. Let's start off with the Thursday night matchup we got going tonight. So tonight we got the Patriots at the Patriots taking on the Bills. The Bills traveling to Foxborough. Division rivalry game. Patriots need to win this game desperately to stay in the hunt for the playoffs. 
And if they do win this game, they approve the seven and five, and they drop the Bills to eight and four, which would be huge for not only the standings in the playoffs, but it would be huge for the standings in the division because now you only put your same, now you only put yourself a half a game behind the Bills. At that point, the Bills are without Von Miller, so you you could you could rest a little bit easier with your offensive line that's been kind of. Shaky of late. I mean, it hasn't been horrible, but it, it was shaky against the the Jets a little bit. It was kind of it, it looked really better against the Vikings. The game the previous game, I will say that. But the game before that, it was kind of getting beat up. Well, Matt Jones is kind of getting beat up, I should say. And with all that being said, man, it's hard for me to say I can see the Patriots winning this game. And here's why: simply put. They don't have enough offensive power. They they just don't. They they don't be too deep. They they don't really make big plays that can change the ties of games. And they don't really have that big play caliber player on that roster. They got solid players on their roster. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson. They got Damian Harris. You got Devontae Parker. You got Jacoby Myers. Nelson Aguilar. You you got guys that are solid players. These guys are solid. Like they're not horrible. They're not just decent. They're solid. But none of these guys are game breakers. And to top it all off, you have a game manager like ex quarterback in Matt Jones. And I don't think Matt Jones is the long term answer for the Patriots because I just believe Matt Jones is who he is. And in this league, in today's league, you need a quarterback. Who can simply put Go out and win you a couple games sometimes I don't think that's Matt Jones Now I think Matt Jones has come In terms of playing in the Patriots system I do believe he fits the system well That's not the issue The issue is There were games where Tom Brady had to go be amazing There were games where he had to just make A perfect throw In perfect coverage Because like my high school coaches always taught me man a perfect throw is going to be perfect coverage every time. It, it just is. No matter how well in position a, a player is, if that ball is on a rope, there's nothing he can do about it. There's just nothing he can do about it. And I think Matt Jones doesn't have that ability that Tom Brady had. Yeah, he can manage a game. Yeah, he, he's not going to necessarily lose the game, but he ain't going to necessarily win the game either. And to me personally, that's the difference in this game, though. Just the pure... Offensive power and explosiveness. It's it just comes down to that for me personally. I, I don't have an issue with betting on the Patriots running the ball against the Bills. I think they could do that perfectly fine. I think they have two really good running backs that could get that job done. But I just don't see it from their receiving threats, man. I mean, this is a team that's very dependent on running the ball well and playing great defense. Yeah, the defense is good, but I just seen I just seen Justin Jefferson kill these dudes. I seen him kill um, Cyrus Jones. I seen him kill Devin McCourty. You know he he had his way with him. There's no reason for me to believe that Stephon Diggs can't have a, at least a similar game. I don't. I just don't see why that isn't possible. So with all that being said, I, I got to take the Bills to win this game tonight. Even though, like I said, I truly do believe this is a must-win situation for the the excuse me for the Patriots. 
I just I just don't see it working out in their favor right now, man. It just it's just not looking like it's gonna work out for them right now. Now I could be wrong. It could very well very well so end up being a game where they upset them and shock me. And honestly, if I'm being honest with you, I hope they do as a Dolphins fan. But we'll see. Right now, I don't I don't really see that playing out in their favor. Now with that being said. I want to get off into some other NFL news and what was spoken about. And that's in regards to what Kyler Murray and Patrick Peterson has said with one another. Now, if you all don't know, Patrick Peterson has his own podcast. Excuse me. He has his own podcast. And on his podcast, he said something in regards to Kyler Murray. And I'm going to quote it verbatim just so you all can know exactly what was said. Give me one second to pull up the screenshot. So the screenshot says, Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. That's basically what he said. So essentially saying Kyler Murray is a selfish person and player. Doesn't care about the benefit of the team, basically. He just cares about his and his numbers, success, whatever the case it be only. Now Kyler Murray took exception to this and actually made a response. He simply said, this isn't true. You only use some weird stuff, you know, try to keep it PG. P2, he added them. You got my number. If you really felt like this as a quote-unquote big bro or a quote-unquote mentor, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drive me so your podcast can grow. Now, as you all can see, Kyle Murray took an exception to what Patrick Peterson said. And... To be fair and to be honest, guys, Kyler, listen, regardless of how you feel about Kyler Murray, regardless if you think he doesn't take the game seriously enough, regardless if you think he studies enough, he's absolutely right in this situation. And here's why he's absolutely right. Simply put, if you call yourself someone's quote-unquote bro, friend, mentor, whatever terminology that is used to show that you all have a close relationship, whatever, you're supposed to be able to come to them and be honest with them about what you believe they're doing that that's, doesn't sit right with you or where you think there's a disconnect that because let's be honest, that's what you're supposed to do as friends, as people, as close teammates even, like whatever the case may be. The fact that Patrick Peterson said this on a public podcast for everyone to hear, for everyone to see, and he didn't even address this with Kyle Murray directly. Just shows to me, yes, Patrick Peterson did say this for the views and for the the backlash and for the fireworks to start. He did. And whether you feel as if that's the truth or not, that's what it seems like. And if we're being honest, that isn't a good look, in my opinion, on Patrick Peterson. Because simply put, I mean... You're supposed to be this dude's homeboy. You're supposed to be your guy. It's your former teammate. If y'all was really that cool and y'all talked about things like that, what makes you believe this was cool to just put out there on a public platform and just sully his name, basically? To me, that's... It's a bit cowardly, if I'm being honest. And truth be told, it to me personally, I don't blame Conor Murray for responding the way he did. And... It just goes to show that, you know, you never really know with the people around you, man. They'll say certain things and show another. So, yeah, I I agree with Kyler Murray in this instance. I think it was wrong 
of Patrick Peterson to say something that wasn't the case or just to say it strictly for views because at the end of the day, he doesn't really have a reason to say it. He just said it. I mean, it's not like they played Arizona this week. It wasn't like he was asked about it. He just did. It just came up. So, I I, I agree with Kyler Murray in this instance, man. I think it's, truth be told, I think it was childish and beneath Patrick Peterson to do so. Now, with all that being said, I want to get off into some NFL matchups. And the first matchup I want to get into, uh, outside of the, the Bills and Patriots, of course, because we went through that. And, hey, you guys tune in for that tonight. I may stream that game. So if you all don't follow me on YouTube, Last Word Productions, we watch a live stream together. But let's get off into the rest of Sunday's games. So, Sunday, my Miami Dolphins take on the 49ers. Not gonna lie to you guys, I am really nervous about this game. I know Elijah Mitchell's out for the 49ers. I know, I, I believe Eric Armstead will be out as well. Uh, I, I heard that Christian McCaffrey is battling, I believe, an ankle or a knee injury, something. It was a leg injury, I forgot. And he didn't practice. The Dolphins are as well as battling injuries. Teron Armstead is battling a pec and a toe injury. But they haven't ruled him out. I don't, I don't believe he's playing, guys. I, I really don't. If he does play, I would be utterly shocked, if I do say so myself. And Austin Jackson is ruled out. So you could potentially be down both your starting tackles. I know Byron Jones still has not returned to practice, which is unfortunate. But outside of that, I mean, there wasn't any other real significant injuries I could think of on the defensive side of the, I mean, on the Dolphins side of the ball this past week. So, yeah, outside of that, I mean, they're pretty much healthy when it comes to key players. Raheem Mosa will be back this week, so that's good as well. But this game does scare the hell out of me, guys. I mean, this is a 49ers team that's just been absolutely lights out the last four or five weeks. I mean, this is a team that hasn't let up a touchdown in the second half in four straight games. This team is otherworldly on the defensive side. They're starting to get a rhythm going on the offensive side, even though they struggled a bit last week against the Saints. Simply put, guys, this is a team that's legit. They may very well be the best team in the NFC. So, there's no denying that right now. And with all that being said, man, I got to chalk this up as an L for my Dolphins, man. I, I just think this defense, especially with two banged-up tackles, I think it's just too damn good. They pass rush with Nick Bosa with, <clears throat> excuse me, they have the, the, the safety to Telefuna, who's starting to develop real nice. I think Fred Warner is the best inside linebacker in the league. Traverius Ward is playing his best football of his career. And they just got a plethora of guys on that side of the ball, man. That, that just gets after it, man. So I got to try this up as an L for my Dolphins. I, it's unfortunate, but, you know, the other teams in this league good, too. So I got to try this up as an L. Then we got the Titans against the Eagles. And if I'm being honest with you guys, I got the Titans winning this game. I, I think they upset the Eagles, man. I think they do the one thing really well that the Eagles struggled against this year, and that's running the ball. But on the offensive side for the Eagles, 
I think the defense for the Tennessee Titans are disciplined enough to make this a closer game than maybe what the Eagles are comfortable playing. So I can see that happening and playing in their favor. That would have shot me at all if the Eagles won, of course, but I'll take the Titans for the upset. Packers at the Bears. I'm going to go with the Packers in this game. I think Nathan Peterman will be starting, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to go with the Packers. The Jaguars at Detroit. I got Detroit in this one. The battle of two four and seven teams. I'll take Detroit at home. Then after that, I got the Browns and the Texans. The return, the return of Deshaun Watson. Something I didn't really talk about. Now, if you all haven't read, I know by now you all know exactly Deshaun Watson's story and what was going on in his life for about two years now. And regards to the sexual assault charges not, well not charges but civil suits against him, the allegations the legalities and everything you know, his suspension is over is uplifted, he served his suspension, he's paid fines, went to court did everything he had to do to prove his innocence this is my thing and this is what I will say and after this I'm done with it because simply put Guys, if Deshaun Watson wasn't found guilty of something in two years, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just that simple. It's, it's just that simple. If they couldn't find anything to even elevate these cases to criminal cases and possibly get him jail time or at the very least kicked out of the league, there's nothing you can do. It's, it's just time to accept it and move on. If you don't want to watch football anymore because of that, so be it. That's your personal choice. But when people start to speak personally and ill of people because they're paying on this matter, because they don't go with the norm of, oh, this dude needs to be thrown under the prison, whatever the case may be, that's when I have an issue. And I feel as if it's just disrespectful and just downright belittling of someone to dismiss someone else's opinion simply because they disagree. It, to me, it's to me it's just blasphemous. Now, with that being said, my personal opinion, I don't like the fact that knowing that these women will be at his game, ten of the women. And here's why I do not like it. And I'm not telling these women how to grieve. I'm not telling them how to handle their situation, however they feel, or whatever happened to them. Because I don't know at the end of the day. I'm not going to say Deshaun Watson did or didn't do anything. I don't know. Whatever happened, happened. But all I know is this. He will be playing on Sunday regardless if they like it or not. That's what it is. And the other thing that bothers me, and this doesn't sit right with my spirit, is that these women want to be in attendance of a game that their perpetrator or their abuser, you would say, will be making millions to live out his dream and they want to be in attendance of that. I'm sorry, but that just does not sound logically sound to me. And I just don't see how at this point I can say that this isn't a publicity stunt. Not this case itself, but the fact that they want to attend the game I don't see how it isn't a publicity stunt at this point. Because, simply put, this is a team that, well, not team, this is a player that you claimed 
and spent years trying to prove took advantage of you and multiple other women and is a basically scum on earth but now you want to be in his presence for three hours and three and a half hours I, I just don't I just don't understand. I don't. I don't get the logic behind this. I don't get the game from it because it, it's not going to change what will happen. He's going to play the, out the rest of this season. He's going to play out the rest of his career. The he went to court. This the civil suits, the criminal suits, all were dropped. I mean, I think he has like one or two still that he had to pay some regards those lines, but. People said that they didn't want him to pay off these women because that would be an admission of he was guilty. He didn't do it. Went to court. He won his cases. He paid whatever he had to pay. He spent his. He did his suspension. I. I just at this point, I personally just do not see what people still want to go on about. Because at the end of the day, regardless how we feel. He's going to be playing in the league. Like, if you don't want to see that, don't watch. And I think that's my biggest issue with this situation. It's like you could control whether or not you support it or not. Don't watch. It's just that simple. You don't have to watch. It's really just that simple. So, man, that's where I'm at with it, man. But I got a brass one in this game. I think the, I think Deshaun Watson makes his return to Texas and I think he lights them up. <laughs> Excuse me. The Vikings and the Jets. I got the Vikings winning that. I think the Mike White fever will calm down. Even though the Vikings don't have a good pass defense. Matter of fact, they have a horrible pass defense. I believe it's 32nd in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, it is. So, defense is not really good. But that being said, I think the offense is just far. Far higher power, and I think Mike White is going to be prone to some mistakes. So, I got the Vikings winning that one. That being said, next game up, still is at the Falcons. I think the Falcons take this. Uh, I'm a little skeptical about it because I'm not really a believer in the Falcons, but I don't believe in the Steelers either. But I'm going to go with the Falcons. Then you got the Broncos at Ravens. I got the Ravens winning. The Broncos are just absolutely horrible this year, guys. Listen to, listen to this. Guys, Russell Wilson has eight touchdowns and five interceptions in the year. I mean, this, this dude is completing under 60% of his passes. He's He has a QB rating of 82.3, which isn't terrible, but... Man, I just I don't know what's happened to Russell Wilson, y'all. I, I, I can't tell you what's happened to him. It's not all the thing hacking. Something is wrong with Russell Wilson. I don't know what's going on. The commanders at the Giants. I think the Giants get back in the win column in this game. They've lost two straight. I think they need this game. I, I truly do. If the Giants cannot beat the commanders, this they may not end up making the playoffs because they're Listen, their, their, their remaining schedule is not an easy sledding, guys. This y'all just listen to this remaining schedule. They got the Commanders twice. They got the Eagles in between them. They got the Vikings. They got the Colts, and then they got the Eagles to close the season. The only game here that's a guaranteed win 
was somewhat of a guaranteed win for them if you just look at it from perspective and team evaluation is the coach. Those last five other games are going to be rough. They have they have to beat the commanders this week if they want to still be in the playoffs. I just don't see how they make it without at least splitting the season series with them. Then you got the Seahawks at the Rams. I got the, I got the Seahawks winning that. Aaron Donald's out. Cooper Cup out. Allen Robinson out. Matt Stafford, I believe, will be out. It's it's just this just is one of those seasons for the, the Rams. You just chalk it up and say we live to see another season. It's done. Then you got the Chargers at the Raiders. I got the Chargers on the net. The Chargers starting to get back healthy. They're getting back on track. Simply put, this is a team that's been battling a lot of injuries, man, and they're going to they're going to they're going they're going to start getting it right. And I feel as if it's starting to happen now. So I think I think that's good for them, man. I'm glad to see it. And with that being said, next game, we got the Chiefs and Bengals. This may be my game of the week. I think it's going to be a good game. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I got the Bengals winning this game, and here's why. I think the Bengals know this team. They played them well. Jamar Chase is coming back in this game, I believe. And simply put, they have the firepower to keep up with this team. Joe Burrow right now is playing at an MVP caliber level. The offensive line is starting to gel and get better. Joe Mixon was finding the grooves. Even without Joe Mixon, P. Ryan has picked up and looked really well in the starting role. I think T. Higgs is starting to come become one of the better bona fide number twos in this league. I think Hayden Hurst is a legitimate tight end threat to some extent. I think he could at least be a chain mover for you. So it's a lot of different things and avenues that can go in ways that beat you. So I, I got them I got them winning this game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs win, but I got them winning this game. Yeah, Indianapolis at the Colts. I mean, I say the Colts at the Cowboys going to Dallas. I got Dallas winning that. After that, you got the Saints Buccaneers Monday Night Football. Now, this game is actually pretty damn important because... The Saints are four and eight. The Buccaneers are five and six. This is a Buccaneers team that leads the division. They're below five hundred. If the Saints can pull off an offset upset here, excuse me, they could very well, very well, much so be in a race for their division to close out this season. I mean, so it can happen. But. With all that being said, guys, now we're going to get into the fan Q&A, the part of the show that everyone loves the most. And again, guys, if you do not know, if you're not aware, I do post fan Q&As on Facebook and <clears throat> YouTube. So if you want to ask me a question in regards to what you believe is going on in the NFL, you want my opinion or something, or a certain matter, whatever the case may be, just go there, follow, you got to join the group, The Barbershop on Facebook. And then I post my Q&A every single Monday. And just like I post it every single Monday on YouTube. So with that being said, let's get right into it. So this first question comes from Jay Jax Sanchez. Are the Warriors in trouble? 
No, I don't think the Warriors are trouble, man. I think they're starting to figure it out. I think that Steph Curry, like I said earlier, I think he's playing at an MVP caliber level. I mean, this team has won six out of the last ten games. Not, not nothing to really be crazy about, but still, this team is legit. They got veterans on their team. I will say this, though. I will say this. If I'm the Warriors, I'm, just, I'm starting to get worried about Klay Thompson. I'm starting to get worried about Klay Thompson because outside of these last couple of days, he has been shooting the ball better. I mean, he had that 40-point game against Houston the other night, I know. But outside of maybe three, four games this year where he exploded and he just looked like the old Clay, he's not the same Clay Thompson that we've grown accustomed to. And I'm a guy who wasn't that big on Clay Thompson in the first place, but he's starting to fall off even from that. He's no longer that real 3 and D guy he used to be. He's no longer that real legit threat from shooting the ball from three anymore what he used to be. He still is a threat out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not. But he's not what he once was and that's where the issue comes in. So should they be worried in the grand scheme of things? No. But they should be worried that their sec that they used to be their second best scoring option. He's starting to decline. He's declining fast. Next question comes from Charlie Ratliff. If Mike White plays like he did last week, how long till the New York Jets cut Zach Wilson? Now, truth be told, I don't believe they're going to cut Zach Wilson. But I will say this, though. If Mike White does come in Minnesota and he puts up the numbers he did against the Bears, against the Vikings, despite the fact that the Vikings have a horrible pass on defense, it still is a good team. You still got to respect it. If he could go out, put up those numbers again against this team, at that point, yeah, Zach Wilson's job's in jeopardy. It's, it's in jeopardy. I think he will be traded. I, I think it's only a matter of time. This next question comes from Mark Kears. Who would Lakers move or sign to become a contender? I think they move, they need to make still as the same. I've been said it should be. I think they need to go out and get Buddy Hill. I think you need to go get Buddy Hill and try to make Miles Turner package in that deal. I, I think that's the one thing they need, and they're desperately without on their team. They have no floor spacing. They have zero floor spacing. If they could get Buddy Hill a legitimate knockdown shooting in this league and Miles Turner one of the better rim protectors and a shooting big as well, I think they'll be fine. I think they can make themselves contenders just by doing that. And this question comes from Dad Marino. He says, if the Dolphins make the bowl, was the, if the Dolphins don't make Super Bowl, excuse me, was this still the most successful season since Marino? No. I don't think, I don't think this will be a most successful season since Dan Marino. Uh, from a statistical standpoint, offensively speaking, it may be. But in terms of team success, no. I mean, it'll be the same thing they did a couple years back with Chad Pennington. Or it'd be the same thing they did with Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gates was here in 2016. <laughs> like, you made the playoffs and just to lose. And if they end up being first-round exits, then it's the same exact thing. Now, if they make the AFC championship and lose, then, yeah, it'd be the most successful season they've had since the Marino days because you haven't made an AFC championship appearance in 
God knows how long. It's probably been over two decades. So, yeah, it will be the most successful they could pull that off. Nar Martinez says, what is the best move the Dolphins can make to strengthen their defense? There is no best move they can make right now, man. It, their defense is their defense. Like, they, they are what they are. They, they, there's no one on the street right now they can just go out and get and make them just that much better. It, it's just not happening. I think the best move they can make internally, though, as a franchise in the future, not this season, is letting Josh Boyer go. I don't think Josh Boyer is the guy. I really don't. I, and I've said this multiple times. I think he called, I think his play situational calling is bad. I think the way he times up blitzes are too inconsistent. And I think they are overall, I think they're bad. So I think that's the best move they can make and just simply just get someone better. This next question comes from Mason Moon. He said, I need post-November awards. Your favorites for MVP, offensive player, offensive rookie, defensive player, defensive coach of the year. Okay. So MVP right now, I, mean, I got Mahomes. I know a lot of people don't like the fact that the the quarterback award is starting to I mean, well, yeah, the MVP is starting to become a quarterback award, but at the end of the day, there isn't a player in my eyes that deserves the MVP more than Pat Mahomes this season. I just don't see it. I mean, this this dude is on pace to throw for 5,000 yards and almost 60 touchdowns. This dude absolutely deserves MVP. I don't, I don't see any argument to make against him at this point. Offensive player of the year, this is tough. I'm not gonna lie. It comes down to Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson, man. It it really does. Tyreek Hill has just been phenomenal for the Dolphins, but Justin Jefferson has been the same thing for the Vikings. And I just, I just can't, I just can't sit and tell you which one of them deserve it over the other, man, because they. They've both just been sensational. They've just both been sensational. They really have. So it's between them two, man. I would hate to even have to see one of them not win it because they've just both been that good. Now, if I had to choose the bias, I am going to take Tyreek Hill. But they, they both deserve it, man. Offensive rookie of the year. Uh, let me think about that, man. It's some people I can see winning it. It's just some. I could go a few ways with this. I mean, I could argue Damian Pierce, despite the fact he plays for the Texans. I can argue Christian Watson, despite the fact that the Green Bay Packers aren't that amazing this year. It's just so. There's just so many ways I can go in in directions and go in with this. I just don't really know. Uh, I'm going to go Christian Watson, man. I think Christian Watson is starting to get it together. So I think he's going to finish the season strong. So I'm going to go with him. Next quick defensive player of the year. I think the defensive player of the year is I 
I, I still think it's Nick Bosa, man. I think Nick Bosa might get it. He may not lead the league in sacks, but I, I think Nick Bosa might get it. Defensive rookie of the year, I, I got to go Sauce Gardner, man. He's just helped elevate that just defense so much. I told people coming out of college, this dude is the best corner, may be the best player in this draft, and he's showing it. Hutchinson, you can make an argument for well, but I, I got to go Sauce. I got to. Coach of the year, now this again, just like Officer Rick, it's, it's tough, man. There's so many coaches. You got Seriani, you got Kevin O'Connell, you got Mike McDaniel, Andy Reid still. I'm, and the crazy part is you can go in so many directions, whether it's a young guy or a veteran guy. It's just so many directions you can go in. But if I had to be honest, if I had to pick, I got to go Kevin O'Connell, man. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not guess for the Vikings to be this good, even if you don't feel as if they are as good as they recommend indicate. No no one guessed this team to be 9-2. Not No one guessed that. This this team is legit, man. So I got to go Kevin O'Connell, first-year coaching, young guy. I mean, Brian Dayball is in there as well, but I just think the Giants is going to flame out these next couple weeks. So... I got to go with Connor. Now, with all that being said, guys, that is the wrap for the questions I have today. And I want to thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. Y'all be sure to like and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Y'all please be sure to follow me on TikTok. I'm at there on Last Word Productions, Instagram, Facebook, all the same at and using a Last Word Productions. Thank you all again, and I'll see y'all in the next one.